0: are working in the gospel of john by the grace of god john chapter three it is a mountaintop you must be born again and i i veered into it last week got a little bit in there but uh, i don't know about you but i felt like wow there's a lot more here we're gonna have to spend some time here So we're going to be looking at it again this week, and we'll see how the Lord works through that. I thought I'd uh, clear the pipes a little bit. You know, down at the aquarium, they have to, uh, they send pigs through the pipes to clear out, get all the barnacles out. They bring in seawater. A pig is a, a, have you seen that down there? Yeah, it's it's a thing that fits just the size of the pipe, and they send it through at great pressure, and it cleans out the pipes, gets all the junk out of there. It's kind of a cool process. Sort of like, a, you know, a surgeon might do with your heart, you know. <laughs> Send a pig through there. Uh, every once in a while, it's good to clear the pipes and say, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? And why we, why do we do what we do? And here is a commission from the master uh, through his apostle Paul. This is 2 Timothy 12. For I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and Teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths." As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So let us preach the word today. Enter into John chapter 3, please. I will read, I'm going to read verses 1 through 21 again, and we'll see how this develops for us today. Now, there was a man He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Like I said last week, can you imagine his mother over on the sidelines? No! (laughs) Not a good idea! (laughs) <laughs> not going to happen. Those femurs are this big. <laughs> it's that way, honestly, with a sweet, sweet little newborn. My, you know, my daughter-in-law just had a baby eight, six, eight, six, eight weeks ago, something like that. And literally, when this baby comes out, you say, "What? Well, how does this ever fit inside of me? <laughs> it's just this long. It's huge. So I, uh, that's, that's, that's not actually in the word there, so I can't preach that part. But... Uh, I can just imagine his mother saying, no, 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 not good. Okay, verse 5. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel That I said to you, you must be born again. By the way, uh, that you there is plural. Keep reminding yourself of that. It's kind of interesting. You all. And he chooses the third person when he first talks to him, right? Unless one is born again, generally. This is a general statement. Everyone must be born again. And then, then he says, you all must be born again. Maybe you all Pharisees in the Sanhedrin must be born again, but probably you all, humanity, must be born. In, in Texas, you can say you all. I'm going to pick on you all day today. So <laughs> In Texas, you can say you all, right? But uh, it doesn't fit as well into our culture, but it should be you all. You all must be born again. Do not marvel that I, that I said to you. Watch that theme. We're going to develop that. I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I am say to you, we speak what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in god oh heavenly father we sang a sweet song that's a prayer to you saying oh lord teach us through your precious holy word today and that's my prayer i echo that song this is your word oh father it it's it's complex yet it's simple it's profound and amazingly deep, and yet it has a straightforward message at the same time. Father, please, in your grace, open our hearts, open our minds uh, to this precious word. Lord, would you, would you be glorified today and speak to each of us. You, you are the sovereign God. We submit to your absolute sovereignty knowing and acknowledging that you put this moment together, oh Father. So Father, you've composed this exact congregation to hear this exact sermon, oh Father. You've brought us all together. So we look to you to perform all your purposes, O oh Lord. And may we be humble in your presence, oh Lord. And may nothing I do or say or or whatever, may nothing I do or say be distracting, uh, but that we would be at full attention to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right. So I want to put in, later in the passage, we talked a little bit uh, earlier, uh, last week I said, uh, about a lot of this. I just want to talk. Uh, I have basically five points today. And first of all, it's, let's see. Sorry. Okay. My, my remote's not working. So why don't you go ahead and click it. There we go. Uh, this whole idea of being born again imp- implies this message that all are dead and absolutely needy. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of projects that happen like this. For me, uh, I was doing a little project making a video this weekend, putting in still pictures and uh, adding effects to those pictures, getting them to move and zoom and in and out. Uh, Those are awesome projects if you've ever done video editing. But A lot of times I'll get into it and have several effects into the thing and then play it back and it's just, it's completely, uh, totally a mess. It's ruined. And the beautiful thing about electronics is you just delete it and you start all over. (laughs) Because the thing is irreparably messed up. You just can't fix it. So I've got the original, I just start over. Um, In a much bigger, profound way, that's what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus here in this passage. The original is so messed up. You have to start over completely. You have to be born again. And The Bible teaches us um, that we are all dead and absolutely needy. And one of the key passages on that is Ephesians chapter 2. Last week I said we didn't have time for it. We're going to look at it a little bit this week. Ephesians chapter 2 Galatians Ephesians so messed up you have to rebirth you have to reboot you have to start over with new hardware new software this is what it says in chapter 2 of Ephesians and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked. So it's, you're dead, but you're alive. It's describing all of humanity, all of us, you all. (laughs) All humanity is is born dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. It's speaking about spiritually. In, In your spirit, you were dead. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. He's saying that all of us were once obeying another ruler. We were actually all slaves to sin, uh, lost and dead. He says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. So when we're born naturally, we're just obeying whatever our flesh wants to do. We are doing what we feel like. We're following our passions. And, and sometimes these passions can be decent passions. <laughs> uh, I had the privilege of working for a long time at a, a big hospital in San Jose. Uh, Santa Clara Valley Medical Center. And it was run by very, very decent people off and on. You know, sometimes not so decent, sometimes more decent. But a lot of them were, very, they were humanists. They were dedicated to human good. And they worked really hard to do good things. And it, sometimes it's hard when you look at a person like that and say, well, they're lost and they're dead and their trespasses and sins when they're doing so many good things. Well, the Bible says that all are lost. And so we look at that and say, well, their motivation is wrong. They're doing it for self-aggrandizement. Look at me, look at my rewards. Or even worse, they're doing it because they think they can please God with it. You know, if I work hard enough, maybe God will be happy with me. Not accepting God's definition of them denying the definition of God that says I'm dead in my trespasses and sins. I I don't need Jesus to save me because if I work really hard as a compassionate, intelligent, well-educated medical doctor solving big problems, um, I can be a person of value and I can sort of come to the God of the universe and say, look at me. (laughs) I'm a self-made man. That's pride and that's arrogance. That is sin in itself. So actually doing these good things becomes sinful. It is sin for them. And that's what Paul says here in Ephesians 2. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, This is a very dim, um, what's the word? Depressing, negative diagnosis. We've come to God as the great physician. He's done several tests on us, which he didn't have to do. (laughs) And he says, okay, here's your diagnosis. You're dead. Your spirit is dead. And everything you're doing is rotten and you're actually bound for my anger. That's all, that's the outcome of this whole thing. My wrath. You're gonna experience separation from me, you're gonna experience hell, you're gonna experience torture, torment, forever. That's the diagnosis, that's the situation, that's anthropology 101. All of us, all of us, me, you, everyone, the nicest guy you meet, and the worst possible sinner you can imagine. We're all by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. See, so that's why Jesus could say to Nicodemus, Nicodemus is a really nice guy, and he comes with all these beautiful compliments to Jesus, right? You, Jesus, you're amazing. You're, you're, you must be from God, and you're a good teacher, and Jesus says, you've got to be born again. You you can't even see the kingdom of God without a total restart. You, You need intervention on the most basic, profound level because you're dead in your trespasses and sin. You're a child of wrath by nature like the rest of mankind all of his religiousness, all of his sincerity. He's the most sincere guy you can imagine, probably. I don't know. I don't know him, you know. (laughs) But, and a lot of the Pharisees were really huge hypocrites. Uh, But uh, maybe, maybe he was the exceptional Pharisee. I don't know. Look at verse 4 here in Ephesians 2. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love, with which he loved us. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. What motivates God is love because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. When Christ died, he was buried and he rose again the third day. A believer is connected with that, really, spiritually, actually connected with the resurrection of Christ. So when he comes out of the tomb, we're made alive with him. That's our rebirth. We're born again through Christ, in Christ. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness. Remember, there's a difference between being nice and being kind. We'll probably develop that another time, too. But here's an example of how God is kind, powerfully kind, power kindness. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable. You know, I like that word. You can't measure it. It's overbounds. <laughs> over it's bigger than you can imagine. It, it, there's no measurement. You know, sh- 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 pa- Practically perfect in every way. It's better than Mary Poppins' measuring tape, dear friends. <laughs> um, it's immeasurable. You, you can't get a tape on this. And what does this say? And I'll step back a second here. What did it take to save me? It took immeasurable grace. That's how bad I was. That's how repulsive I was. That's how condemned I was. That's how much a child of wrath I was. That it takes an immense amount of grace, beyond infinite grace of, of God himself to be the, what, what kind of sacrifice did it take? Well, How much did it cost? How much was that thing? infinite, infinite numbers. This, this is a God who knows big numbers, too, by the way, right? <laughs> Last week I opened, asked an open-ended question, how many cells are in the human body? And I got an excellent answer out of the, near the back row, uh, over a 100 trillion cells in the human body. I had done some other research, and somebody said, well, no one knows, obviously, but I, we think it's 32 trillion cells in the human body. <laughs> you think, "Well so what's the big deal, Nate? That's a big deal. <laughs> this thing that, in, in the case of Lazarus and Jesus, uh, 32 or over 100 trillion cells were dead. <laughs> Do you know what happens when a cell dies? It starts to dismantle itself. It's the craziest thing that God has made. It actually takes itself apart and gives away its useful chemicals so that other cells can use them. So Lazarus and Jesus were dismantling themselves in the grave. And, and that's the power of the resurrection. And that's what new birth is. That's what it takes. This is the power of God. He can say, Lazarus, come forth. And he can take, I don't know the number. <laughs> that's us compromise on 57 trillion cells. All of them reverse the process and come alive. And he walks out and says, how you doing? (laughs) Shalom aleichem. Could you get this stuff off me? (laughs) That's power. That's power. That's what it takes. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And I think it would be fair to say that it's a phenomenal miracle to raise somebody from the dead. All 57 trillion cells reverse the process. Okay, we're back in. Light's back on. Let's re- recompose here. <laughs> Huge instantaneous miracle, right? I I think that's probably nothing Compared to spiritual rebirth (laughs) Compared to bringing us alive spiritually I bet you that's even more impressive And that's what we're talking about We are absolutely dead, absolutely needy Give me another slide, please We are born dead in sin Go click we we must be made alive by God's work. That's what I'm saying. God's work. It it, it takes God, but God saved us. S- Next slide, please. He made us alive in Jesus. And one more click. Okay. We depend on God's work. I'm gonna see if this thing is just not working. Let me try something. Okay. Click. we must be regenerated and renewed by his Holy Spirit. And last week I read it quickly, and I want to go back to it uh, very, again, probably quickly, but Titus 3. Remember Ephesians 2 and Titus 3. I want to zero in on a couple of things here about the Holy Spirit. Notice in John 3, that's what he's saying. This is something that the Spirit does. That which is born of the Spirit. You're born again by the Holy Spirit. That which is born of Spirit is Spirit. And you've got to be born of water and the Spirit. And, and uh, Nicodemus says, well, that's confusing. If, and if I can't see it, I don't believe it. Uh, I, I just don't get it. You're, you're, you're talking nonsense here. I can't get back into my mother's womb, blah, 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 blah. How can these things be? And Jesus' answer is, hey, come on, there's a lot you don't understand. You don't even understand the wind. You, you, you have to humble yourself and say, this is real, God is real, and the Holy Spirit brings me back to life in a way that I not, am not necessarily able to understand this. In fact, I am necessarily unable to understand this. I'm a really, really finite, and I might say stinking human being. I'm a stinking finite human being. And I can't understand perfection. And I can't understand uh, being reborn. But he's saying, believe it. Trust it. Right? So again, Titus. I'm going to zero in mainly on verse 5. But Titus 3. Gorgeous, beautiful little section of scripture. Um, It's really a similar... Pattern uh, verse three says, "For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, just, just like the Ephesians two, we were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves." You see, see, the Bible teaches that human, humanity's, you know, and just freedom for all, you know, justice and freedom for all. I pledge allegiance to the flag all the time, and I believe it. I love America. In fact, wrap me in the flag right now. I do love America. But theologically speaking, all people outside of Christ are slaves. They're not free. Their, their, Their wills are in bondage. And it's a very sad and tragic human condition. And they need intervention. They need freedom. And that's what he's saying. We ourselves were slaves to various passions and pleasures. Passing our days in malice. You know, dear friends, the Bible's so relevant. This is describing exactly what's happening all over the globe. You know, why is, why is Ukraine in turmoil? It's about malice and envy. It's about a, a world leader, it appears to me, that just wants a little more space. <laughs> I want to feel good about myself. I want to be the hegemon. I want a little Russian hegemony. Or how about malice, hatred? How about ethnic turmoil? How about tribal slaughter in, you name it, C-A-R, right? This is, the, this is what it says. All humanity is in malice and envy, slaves! Slaves, what is the freedom? The gospel is the solution. They need to be, we need to be, Relieved. That's why I love Marika's song. Lord, would you please overcome us? Would we humble ourselves that we would live for you, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another? Can I ask you a personal question? How, how many seconds does it take in your household to devolve into this level? You know, Five seconds yeah. Your house is better than most yeah. Yeah. No, you know, we're, we're flesh We're sinners, we're rebels And it's still there And that, that malice, hatred, envy, spite Evil words Dogfight Okay, it never happens in your home, right? No, it's always right there hated by others and hating one another. We need more salvation. That's the solution. We need more of Jesus. We need to be more. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. That's what Paul's talking about. I'm sick and tired of these these deeds of of death. Why am I still acting like I'm dead? (laughs) That's our condition in the between years. Here's what I'm getting to. but but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared he saved us we must be regenerated we depend on God's work God has to save us we need him we come humbly to him and pray the prayer in Psalm 119 I am yours save me save me Save me from this stinking flesh now. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness. This is the big lie of Satan. Once again, the humanist awesome doctor building up a war chest of good deeds that he hopes outweighs his native sin or the, the Muslim carefully praying five times a day, a sincere man, woman, doing what he or she, what they're told to do. What are they trying to do? They're trying to build up works of righteousness. And he says, he doesn't save us because of our works of righteousness, but according to his own mercy. And how? Here it is, the Holy Spirit. You're born of the Spirit. By the washing of regeneration. That's the word for rebirth washed by regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly. It's a baptism of the Spirit. When we are saved, we're saved by the baptism of the Spirit. Here's 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. So the Holy Spirit takes us and connects us with Jesus Christ. We're baptized into Christ, the one body. That is our salvation. That is our rebirth. And it all happens. All these wonderful words, you know, justification, glorification, all of this comes together in this glorious moment, regeneration. Uh, we come together and we are saved. Next slide, please. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ. That's what I just said. Next slide. Jesus simply claims his authority to back this claim. Notice that in the text. It's very, very profound slide. <laughs> when I snap, I get two. <laughs> Notice the truly-truly's. I've already preached this. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I'm, not, I'm not apologizing. The Bible says preach the word. Uh, but when he says truly-truly, he doesn't have a, some sort of repetitive speech impediment. You know? And he's, he's not just saying the word because he likes it. No, he really said this. It's a very extreme thing. He comes out and says, Amen, amen. That's the actual word he said. Amen, amen. I say to you. Now, that is a direct claim of personal authority. This is honestly the apologetics of Jesus. You don't believe this? Well, truly, truly, I say to you this is powerful. It's in verse 3. Truly, truly, I say to you. It's in verse 5. Truly, truly, I say to you. And let's see, down to verse 11. Truly, truly, I say to you. This is the word of Jesus. Next uh, picture. No one except the Son of Man. Again, look at the claim here. Verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. This is a direct claim for personal authority. Who says this is true? I do. Jesus does. He's saying, I'm the only source of truth. Remember in uh, chapter 1, that's in the prelude. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. In the beginning, He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through Him, et cetera, et cetera. Verse 18, 118, no one has ever seen God. He's saying, I have seen God. I've seen God. I am God. Trust me. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. This is the central truth claim of our faith. Jesus is the real deal. He has made the Father known. He is the source for truth. No one except the Son has descended. Next slide, please. This is God's one and only provision. See? Jesus is the only provision for us. There's none other. There's no other. He's it in these last days. Hebrews 1. He has spoken to us in his son and next slide i'm going to call this he's the holy hegemon he's the divine despot a hegemon is a ruler who has all power which is a hugely dangerous thing if it's a human being only a human being but jesus is a human being and god and he's the holy hegemon and yes this is hegemony this is just a claim for authority why should i believe it because i said it Truly, truly, I say to you. So when you walk away from this, you're just saying, okay, I don't believe Jesus. That's not true. I don't believe Jesus. I don't need that. I know better. (laughs) Or I have some kind of, I would say, inferior source that's teaching me something else. And Jesus is saying, no, I am it. This is a claim for huge authority. Jesus simply claims his authority to back this claim. Here's a A Bible teacher from a previous generation named A.T. Robertson, he says, Jesus simply claims knowledge of what he has tried to make plain to the famous rabbi without success. Next slide, please. Our part is to believe in Jesus Christ. Our part is simply to believe in Jesus Christ. That's what he's calling us to do over and over, believe. Whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And the glorious verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Next slide, please. Avoid perishing by faith in Jesus. This is the means of salvation. It's the only way you can be born again, is by faith in Jesus. And your faith in Jesus demonstrates that God has worked in you and rebirthed you, and you are one of his. Next slide. Look to Jesus Christ and live. I want to spend just a few seconds on, I say uh, more than a few seconds, On, on this interesting reference in verse 14. It says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, if you're a good Bible student, you know that's in Leviticus chapter 21. Leviticus chapter 21. Okay, let's see. Hold on, did I get that reference right? Let me double check that. (laughs) Started to panic up here. Um, Is that the right reference? Uh... D, 14D. Ah, Numbers 21, forgive me, I knew it was off. Numbers 21. <laughs> we could read Leviticus but uh, Let's start in Leviticus 21 and read to Numbers 21, since I have extra time today. <laughs> Numbers 21. This is a great little story. Um, It says this, uh, let's see, we can start, um, i was just start at verse 4 there. It says, from Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the people became impatient on the way. Can you imagine that? People impatient. Like, when is this going to be over with? <laughs> or, I want it now. Or... Uh, I was ta- chatting with a friend of mine yesterday about this uh, lawsuit of the uh, college basketball players against NCAA. The, the The idea is the college players want some of the action. They want the money, so they're suing NCAA because, uh, like, March Mad- Madness makes a maddening amount of money for NCAA, and the players want a part of it. And you know, part of that is sort of impatience, because you know. You have to wait two years. And if you're good, you're going to be a multimillionaire. If you're not good, you're not going to be getting any money now either. <laughs> so it's about impatience, partially. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's what he and I were talking about last night. We're so naturally impatient. We can't wait for the good thing. We want it now. We want to rush it. Make it now. Take it now. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God. And against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Obviously, this was God's plan. Actually, it was God's plan as it turned out. <laughs> but they're just nasty, mean. It's that five-second rule. <laughs> you know, Within five seconds, we degrade to the lowest level uh, when something has gone wrong, something's not going our way. Why have you brought us Out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. For there is no food and no water. Okay, that's their claim, right? Except for look at what they say next. And we loathe this worthless food. (laughs) No food, no water, and we don't like this food. What is this food? It's the manna. It's what God provided you. And I loathe what God has provided me. Because obviously, God's plan is screwy you can't trust him and it it just makes me impatient it makes me irritable to submit to god's plan Uh, clearly he didn't know what he was talking about when he told us to trust him that's that's all what's going on in their mind and what did the lord say oh you poor people you've suffered so much i understand (laughs) sometimes he might say that but here it says then the lord then yahweh then Yahweh, the self-existent God. Then Yahweh sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. I don't know what a fiery serpent is, but it probably describes the pain of the bite and the searing nerve damage that immediately occurs when one of these serpents bites you. And notice, I, I, I know I hit this all the time, but I, I just want you to see it. It's from the Word of God, uh, and again, the commission is preach the Word, not necessarily what might be popular. It says, "Then the Lord sent; He sent these things." Uh, in, in the American church, we, we've substituted that completely for allow or. It so happened that the servants, serpents came by and God is able to work through this evil thing. Okay, that's just not the way it's presented in the Bible. He sent the evil thing, right? He did this as a direct act. So don't let anybody tell you that God doesn't use evil in his plan. He does to work his plan. That's the way... Honestly, you can't even understand the flow of human history if you don't get that. Because you're going to be going, where'd all this dark matter come from?
1: <laughs> There's another creator
0: out there. It's yin and yang. God is balanced out by some force of evil, and he keeps responding to it. Fortunately, most of the time, he can make something good out of it. Yay, God! go to the Hallmark store for your theology. But if you want to go to the Bible, you're going to find a holy hegemon, a divine despot who does what he pleases. It has really hard to take. I'm sorry. I'm a wimp. Sometimes it's hard to take. But we, as his people, submit to his perfect plan so there it is. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And the people came to Moses and said, this is good. We have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Notice the combination of of divine God and human leadership. When human leadership is right, when they're obeying God and submitting to God and leading by God's principles then they're connected with the authority of God Moses is representing God here and when they they hate Moses they hate God and they they have spoken against the Lord and against you Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us so Moses prayed for the people and the Lord said to Moses make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole that everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent. It seems so arbitrary and weird. You say, what? You know, Okay, I'll do what you say, but it's weird. This, is, <laughs> this doesn't make sense. I'm mean, going you to know, make a piece of art, stick it on a pole. Oh, I will obey you, even if it seems weird, even if it seems stupid. To my superior wisdom (laughs) God you uh, know better and he did it he made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole and if a serpent bit anyone he would look at the bronze serpent and live now all of that was actually intended by God to point directly toward Jesus because when Jesus he becomes the, the, the curse The serpent is the symbol of curse and trouble. And the Bible teaches us, we don't have time to go there, but believe me, it teaches us directly that Jesus became a curse. He took the curse for us. He took our curse. And he's on the pole. And when we look to Jesus, we believe in him. Then we're saved. And the terminal illness that we all have is reversed and we're reborn. By the grace of God. And so Jesus said, that's what it's like. Uh, John refers to this, uh, I think, three other times. We won't get into it, but we'll, when we come to him, we'll, we'll talk about it then, too. But this, when he's lifted up, that's talking about the crucifixion of Christ on the tree. Uh, the Bible says, everyone who's on the tree is cursed, and Jesus becomes the curse for us. Our part is to believe in Jesus Christ. Look to Jesus Christ and live. If you could click one more. Let's see, I think we're getting close to the end. Ah, yes. Let's close out this text with um, the final words here about rebellion. We rebel against faith because we stubbornly like our evil. Why would anybody rebel against submitting to God, the holy hegemon, the divine despot? Why would we, you know, try to box with two short arms uh, against God? Well, we're, we're just stubborn. We're just really stubborn. and we're, we're bound rebels. He says, this is the judgment, verse 19. This is it. The light has come into the world. The light has shone. Here, you know, we're talking about the light in Monterey miles and miles and miles, 10,000 miles away from when it first came. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. It's, it's simple stubbornness and rebellion in your heart that leads you to not submit to this holy hegemon, divine God, only God. Submit to him. Our part is to believe. Trust in him. And we rebel against this faith because we stubbornly like our evil. I think that might be, is that the last slide? Okay, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this gracious conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. And uh, Father, there's grace in it when everywhere we look. And one of the gracious points is when Jesus says, we testify what we see. And he includes our testimony in that too, that we can testify to this truth. O Father, and I pray that my words would be used by your grace and kindness to reach out and save some soul today, O Lord. In your kindness, rebirth them. And, Lord, may they call on your name to be saved. And then most of us are born again. That's why we come to church. and we, we do love you. But we know that being born again has a great obligation. Because we want to live for you. And we want to walk in newness of life. So we pray that the Spirit will strengthen us to walk closer to you today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you.